we can really lift and shift our energy and our focus to something that's a lot more positive. And just by taking that first step, and that's the most, you know, the power of the start, that's the hardest part is actually taking that first step, you know, mind over mattress, jumping out of bed and saying, this morning I'm going to go and walk, or this morning I'm going to drive to Jebel Hafiz and I'm going to change my scenery. So this is just super, super important. And it's for me, it's, it's, it's about self-love. You know, do you love yourself enough to take care of your mind and your body so that your mind and your body can take care of you. You're like a sweet wings to fly. Like a sweet wings. You're like a sweet wings to fly. Welcome to the Diving for Pearls podcast. I'm your host, Miss Gina P. Nelson. On this show, we will feature women in the UAE and across the globe who are breaking ground in their industry while at the same time transforming the cultural landscape. The women whom we will feature here on this podcast are in many ways analogous to pearl divers, women who have taken calculated risks to uncover and harvest pearls of wisdom, insights that have led them to illuminate their pathway and the pathway of others. These women are thought leaders, innovators, visionaries, women who embody the spirit of the founding father of the UAE, His Highness Sheikh Zayed bin Sultan Al Nayan. We invite you to listen in, take the plunge, reflect on the poignant stories of courage and resilience while delving deeper into your own journey of self-discovery and exploration. Pearls lie not on the seashore. If thou desires one, thou must dive for it. Anonymous. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the Diving for Pearls podcast. This is a podcast that's homegrown in the UAE. It features women who are thought leaders, innovators, and who are paving a way for the next generation of women. Today, we have the honor of having someone who is a distinguished guest. She is based in Dubai. She is a public speaker, a women's health advocate, a venturer, a first, a woman who has paved the pathway for other women. She is the founder of Mountain High. This is a company that offers group coaching, bespoke speaking workshops, retreats, expeditions. Her accolades and honors are numerous and definitely well-deserved. She is a woman explorer, expeditioner, who has led over 50 expeditions in 20 countries. She is a resilience consultant, a leadership coach, who is currently in practice with the Institute of Zen Leadership. And today she is here with us. Her name is Miss Julie Lewis. She is going to share some of her rituals, her resources that are going to help us navigate through our current climate and hopefully be able to be at our best when any future roadblocks and challenges come our way. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Miss Julie Lewis. Super. Thank you so much. Very excited to be with you, Gina. This is uh, an excellent initiative. So well done for creating it. Thank you, Julie. And before we start, Julie, I do want to share our well wishes to those who have been affected by COVID-19 whether you've been affected directly or indirectly, we want to send our well wishes and heartfelt prayers with you. 
So I definitely want to echo the sentiments of many of us around the world. Um, we are in this together and we're supporting you and praying for you along the way. Julie, would you like to add anything to that for our audience today? I would just uh, like to say that now is, a, is a, a, an incredible time to triple your self-care. So really focus on your health and well-being and know that this storm shall pass, you know, and just focus on what you can do. Be super kind to yourself and to others. And really, this is a time to really look inward and, and um, express yourself outwards. And yeah, just be the best, best you can be during this time period. And I think that's that's a, a fantastic start to be able to start with yourself and um, focus on your health and well-being so that you can radiate that to others around you. Definitely. And Julie, actually, that's one of the entry points I would like to talk about, because you speak a lot about that, reconnecting with yourself, reconnecting with your strengths. And I want you to talk a little bit more about that in terms of helping people go beyond challenges that they may encounter along the way. So how can someone reconnect with their strengths? Because truly all that we need is really within us. And I know you speak a lot to that. So if you could share some of your gems in terms of helping individuals reconnect with their strengths. Yeah, I think we've had a very unique opportunity um, during this time period. It's, it has many gifts and it has many challenges, of course. But I think collectively, we've had very much time to think and to look at how we live our life, how um, uh, if there's any old ways that we need to let go of and, and step into a new way and um, mind the gap. And I think it's very important now to focus on wh what are my strengths, what are my passions, what are my values, and one of my top values is health. So they've really zoned in on that. And then really focusing on what we can do during this time period to use it as a, a press pause, but a, a creative space to kind of step over into what I'm calling the next new normal. It's almost as if we're kind of in a little bit of a holding space at the moment that we're kind of letting go of the past. And a lot of people are grieving and I've been one of them, you know, letting go of some of the things that I plan to do and realizing that that's not going to happen. And then actually being in this void between the old world and the new world that's ahead of us and how you can take that leap of faith and, and flip and pivot and all these buzzwords that people uh, we've been using uh, as a review and a, a time to reinvent yourself really and, and really take care of your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological well-being uh, so that you can create that for yourself and really let go of anything that is heavy and no longer serves you and focus on what you can do moving forward. Uh, so I think, you know, along with all the challenges this time has brought, it's certainly brought it's time to think and focus on what we, what's strong, what's most, most important to us. Yes, Julie, a lot of the points that you just said are so critical, I think, to moving forward. And you speak a lot about that about the only way to go is moving up, is to go up, take some action and move forward. Of course, we're letting go of some of the old ways, as you've mentioned. And I know because you've had a lot of interest and I would say experience, expertise in the health and fitness. And so you are outdoors a lot. You are out in nature a lot. How can we connect with nature? Because you've talked a lot about 
how we could look to nature in terms of building our own resilience. So if you could speak about what can we learn from nature in terms of navigating this new normal? Sure. I, I've drawn a lot of my resilience uh, from nature, Gina. When I think of, you know, the mountains, I think of strength, stability, resilience, potential, being very, very grounded, weathering the storms. And then I think of, you know, lakes. When you look at a lake that's just perfectly still and silent and it's observing, it's a, a time for reflection and clarity. I look to trees and I, I see turning over a new leaf and oxygen and, and being grounded, you know, very, very strong roots. I say the, the, the roots go deepest where the wind blows strongest. And then obviously when I think of rivers, I think of a river of resilience, you know, that a river is very dynamic. It's always moving, weaving its way around obstacles, adapting to the environment. It finds itself and knowing that it's going to greater things, i.e. the ocean. So to be able to connect with nature and, and tap into nature's intelligence and resilience, I think is super, super powerful. Nature is like food and oxygen for me. And I think, you know, now people are spending a lot more time indoors and online. And it's so, so important to, you know, the antidote to that, to balance that out, is to be outdoors into the big picture uh, thinking. So we have a lot of directed attention looking at screens and, and a lot of people are saying, oh, my eyes are hurting. And I'm saying, you know, switch off all technology, go. And it's called actually from moving from directed attention to attention restoration. So actually, the more you can spend time outdoors, uh, you know, by the walking barefoot, for example, on the beach is a very, very good grounding practice. By the sea, listening into the sense, you know, the, using your senses, what are you seeing, hearing, feeling, touching? in nature because nature just knows you know it doesn't rush anything it knows that you know spring summer winter fall and it responds and it adapts accordingly it doesn't try to rush anything and and try to push 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 so I think we can learn definitely a lot from nature and it's so important now that you know I I talk about nature deficit disorder (laughs) you know your RDA your recommended daily allowance um, and I think, you know, one hour minimum outdoors, you know, and, and if that's not possible right now for any of the listeners in terms of, you know, they're, they're on serious lockdown, then I think having plants in your home, looking at pictures of nature, you know, listening into the sounds of nature, the waves, dolphins, you know, there's ways that we can actually bring nature to us if we're unable to get out into nature. But for me, you know, that's been part of my um, health, wellness Uh, program is to make sure that I spend time out in nature and really look look at you know some of the lovely patterns in nature listen to the birds and look at the flowers and really it's just so much abundance around us when we take the time to look at it instead of just you know power walking through and not taking any notice of anything so yeah that's really really very important Gina right now for people to look and learn from nature and her resilience and her raw honest beauty and how much well-being we can get from that yeah I mean this is science as well it's not just woo woo go out in nature you know there's some great books you know about the importance of being in blue spaces you know near water in green spaces in terms of health well-being and you're much more likely to be more active if you live on the coast for example if you can walk out in the forest it boosts your immune system so this is something that is pretty much free it's you know I, I was Say, you know, explore your own backyard. Um, I normally take four to six groups 
on expeditions. And this year it's been, I managed to get one in in the early part of the year. And then I thought, well, now it's time to really explore, explore my own backyard and share pictures through my social media and, and in, in hope of inspiring other people to think, yeah, well, I can do that. I can go to the park. I can go to the beach. I can walk around the mangroves. I can sit in, uh, you know, the garden. I can kind of potter around and actually create a garden or, you know, create, bring nature into me. So this is very, very important, especially right now. Julie, I'm an advocate of being out in nature, just like yourself. I love what you said about the recommended daily allowance of one hour. I will definitely strive for that, but I'll start small because they always say small steps. But I like the wonderful analogies you've made in terms of looking to nature for resilience. So the mountains you mentioned in terms of weathering storms, lake, that's good because this is a great time to reflect. Uh, Trees in terms of turning over uh, something new. And then the rivers, because we know that rivers are pretty resilient in the sense that they do, like you mentioned, weave in and out and around rocks, etc. So we can definitely connect and tap into nature's resilience for sure. And then what you just said in terms of spending time in nature, we know there's definitely a strong connection between how much time is spent in nature and reduce anxiety, stress. I know I definitely feel better when I'm outside. And there's a lot of research showing that that prefrontal cortex in terms of the activity that's taking place, once you're in nature, there's less of that rumination in terms of maybe repetitive thoughts we may be having about what's happened throughout the day or what's about to happen, et cetera. So I definitely agree that it's important for our well-being and for our resilience and for building resilience. And you spoke about one of the things about exploring your backyard. And you have been here in the UAE since 2012. So congratulations. And I have been here 2014, since 2014, and have been enjoying my time. What have you been doing recently in terms of exploring the backyard of the UAE? (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm living on Yas Island, and so I'm about a 15-minute walk away uh, from the mangroves on Yas Island. So it's a morning ritual. I either do um, a high-intensity workout one day, and then the next day I go for a long walk, and I spend time by the water. Um, so exploring the mangroves area, and in Abu Dhabi we've got Jubail Mangroves Park that's open, so you can actually walk all the way through the mangroves. Um, and Jebel Hafit. You know, there's a new camping ground or a glamping ground out there. And I find that on the islands here, on Sadia Island, on Hodariat Island, actually, I just needed a bit of what I call rewilding because my greatest fear is becoming so domesticated. So I thought, I'm just going to kind of um, book a tent. And I stayed overnight and then kind of woke up and had a swim, had a walk, had breakfast al fresco, then kind of caught some vitamin D. So it's really just looking at the places and spaces around you that are accessible you know whether you walk there or you cycle there or you drive there park up um i think it's you know there's an awful lot when you take the time to just have a little look at that you know we're we're blessed now that the the beaches have reopened and the the parks there's some gorgeous parks just to go and sit under a tree you know walk barefoot on the beach or take a take a road trip you know uh you know driving from Abu Dhabi to Alain is a kind of a 90-minute drive, but it just gives you a whole new vista and a feeling that you 
you're going somewhere and, and looking around you. And I think, you know, we're blessed. We have the desert as well. So I think, you know, this own backyard scenario, rediscover Dubai, rediscover Abu Dhabi. It's, 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 um, it's a great way now as well to kind of support internal and local tourism because obviously it's taken a hit with international travelers coming in. So I think it's, it's a great time uh, to, to kind of go and explore and experience different places during this time period. Yeah, so that's, that's what I've been doing. I've been doing lots of walking, lots of cycling, just started swimming again. And really just kind of Googling, what else can I do? What else can I do? What's new? What's coming up? And posting pictures so that it would, you know, encourage and inspire other people to go, to go with their family, to go by themselves, go with their partner, to just, you know, have my own little urban adventures and mini expeditions in and around until such time it's easier and healthier to to actually, you know, jump on a plane and go. So I think this is a great great time to do that you know the inner journey of finding more about yourself but also the outer journey within your own backyard and I think people are doing that now more and you know building deeper connections with with you know as an expat your friends become your family you know and I certainly know that technology as much as I say you know take digital detoxes I think technology has been a lifeline for many you know for me to be able to speak to my mom in the UK and my daughter in New Zealand, you know, my father-in-law in the States, you know, it, it's just been a way of staying connected. So it's connection to self, connection to others, and connection to nature. This is, this is the kind of really three, three powerhouses, in my books anyway. Yeah, maybe not for anybody else, but these are the three things that I think are super, super important to mind now. Thank you, Julie. I'm actually going to come back to that thought about connection to nature because there's a gentleman that I've listened to on my podcast who says that you cannot connect to anyone anyone else or yourself until you connect to nature first. So I'm going to come back to that thought because I love those three, um, three I would say, areas where we can connect to. And of course, I, I always think yourself is most important first, then others and then nature as well. But I definitely want to get your thoughts on that. So what you've talked about in terms of exploring your own backyard, I've been doing a little bit myself. I have been looking at your Instagram feed. So thank you. So and I am inspired by what you're doing uh, in terms of exploring the Emirates, because this is a wonderful time to do so. Uh, Those of you who are just joining us, we have been on lockdown from March to July but things have opened up since July. So we are able to explore in and about the seven Emirates, which has been quite lovely, especially since the weather is a lot more temperate than it was this summer. So thank you, Julie, for supporting, (laughs) I would say, posting the pictures, encouraging us to definitely go out and explore what's in our own backyard. One of the things I wanna touch on, because I know you've mentioned this several times before, In terms of weathering storms that may come our way and challenges that may come our way, you talk about sometimes about getting up on high. So whether it's a top floor of a building, uh, your office space, or a mountain, which I think would be ideal, this helps you really broaden your perspective and gives you, broaden your horizons and really give you a new perspective. So can you speak about why it's important sometimes when you get stuck? to physically get on top of something. Yeah, I mean, there is a Zen proverb that 
wherever you go, there you are. And for some people say, you know, even if you go to the top of the mountain, you're still carrying whatever you're carrying. I, I kind of, I, re I can relate to that. However, I do really think that the minute you change, just from sitting down to standing up, you're automatically changing your state from um, being indoors to outdoors to kind of, you know, elevating, whether it's on your rooftop, yes, or, you know, upon a hill or upon a mountain, or just going somewhere that really stimulates your senses and gets you out of this autopilot, I'm seeing the same things, I'm hearing the same things, to actually get a fresh perspective. And the minute you change what you're focusing on, things will definitely change. When I climbed my first mountain 18 years ago for my 40th birthday, I, I felt this tiny, tiny blip on top of this mountain. And I just realized that, you know, in the big picture, I'm, I'm this tiny, tiny blip. But then I just also could see the whole of the South China Sea. And I was up in the clouds and I was thinking, wow, you know, there's a whole world out there. And I'm a microchip of that whole world kind of thing. And so I think it's important whether you get fresh perspectives from talking to people that have very different beliefs, opinions, cultures, traditions from you, or whether it's a different geographical location. I think it's just really so important that if you feel stuck, it's important to move. The other Zen proverb, which I really, really love, is move and the way will open. You know, when people say, how do you climb a mountain? They say, well, you take one step and then another step and another step, and then the mountain is actually coming to you. You become one with the mountain. So it's really all about moving, and that could be moving our mind, our body, our emotions, and changing our physiology. When, when I'm out walking, um, Gina, it's really like a moving meditation because I'm, I'm, you know, stepping out of this autopilot multitasking mode and I'm just walking <laughs> and I'm looking and I'm listening. Sometimes I listen to music, sometimes I don't. And, and it's just tapping into this internal pharmacy that is completely free. We don't need to go to the doctor for a prescription. Um, of the anandamy, dopamine, serotonin, these feel-good hormones. So the minute that we change where we are and what we're thinking about, what we're focusing on, we can really lift and shift our energy and our focus to something that's a lot more positive. And just by taking that first step, and that's the most, you know, the power of the start, that's the hardest part, is actually taking that first step, you know, mind over mattress, jumping out of bed and saying, this morning I'm going to go and walk, or this morning I'm going to drive to Jebel Hafiz and I'm going to change my scenery. So this is just super, super important. And it's for me, it's, it's, it's about self-love. You know, do you love yourself enough to take care of your mind and your body so that your mind and your body can take care of you? And this is so, so important right now. It's very uh, you know, easy for some people. I have people that say, yeah, I've put on a stone. Um, I'm, you know, feeling more anxious, you know, uh, mental health. And then there's other people that say, you know, I've lost weight, I'm fitter. Um, so, you know, there's there's two paths you can take. You can take the victim or the master. And the victim will blame, complain, justify, give themselves a hard time. You know, I can't do this because dot, dot, dot. And the master will take responsibility. And, and we'll say, if it is to be, it's up to me. You know, if I, if I want to change things, I have to change. Something has to change. Not waiting uh, for something to change. It's really about making things happen. And, and, and this, I, I'm kind of digressing from going up, you know, to getting some elevation. But it's really about taking action 
And the minute you start taking action, you know, science tells us there's an equal and opposite reaction. So something's going to happen just by, you know, changing where you are, changing what you're looking at, changing the scenery. So it's super important when people say, you know, I feel stuck. It's okay. You know, stuck mentally, physically, emotionally, geographically, financially. And then how can we get people moving forward? Um, and taking action will build that courage and confidence to keep taking more and more steps. Yeah, I think that's that's my take on it, Gina, that, you know, change, move, move and the way will open. I, I love that quote. It resonates with me in so many ways because actually this morning before I actually um, took out the time to speak with you, I was working with my coach. This is my trainer, uh, physical coach, physical education coach. And I literally was thinking about some of the things that you said on your Instagram feeds and social media feeds in terms of just moving, you know, and also thinking, just taking one step, the next step and not thinking I have 20 more repetitions to do of this exercise. So I definitely agree with you. Move in the way will open. It's about lifting and shifting our energy. But I do want to come back to that point because I do think that some people get stuck. So what is a first step you would give them? A very first step for someone who hasn't been physically active to start tomorrow if they could. Sure. And I think this is the thing about having an accountability partner to check in on you, you know, whether it's a trainer or a group of friends and everything. And, and I think that, you know, somebody has to really get to the point, you know, it's the pain and pleasure principle, the carrot and the stick, that it becomes more painful not to do anything, that they've reached a certain point that it's more painful not to do anything about it. And they either, they're, they're out of desperation or inspiration, they've taken action themselves, or they've reached out to a friend, a coach, a mentor, and said, hey, I need some help. And, and then really, you know, this is where I am right now and describe that situation. And, and this is how I'm feeling right now. And this is how I would like to feel. So get a very, very clear picture of what that looks like. And, you know, then who can help? I think asking for help is very much a sign of strength, not of weakness. And, you know, I reach out to people, you know, one of my little daily rituals, and especially in the early days and still now is to still connect with people. Hey, how are you doing? You know, anything I can help you with? Do you need any support? How's, you know, checking in with people because it's often the people that you think are strong and they're, they're coping with it that just need that little kind of check-in really. And I think that's important for all of us. So it's really kind of getting to a point where you think this has to change. This has to change now. And, and taking, you know, baby steps, you know, what's the first step? getting a decent pair of trainers and getting some gear that you feel comfortable in, you know, walking for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, you know, so it's really kind of progressive and actually rewarding yourself, you know, giving yourself a high five when you've completed one, one goal, you know, having something to work towards, uh, I think is super, super important. And, and having that ecosystem of support around you. So when you have your moments of like, oh, I can't do this, or, you know, rolling over in bed and thinking, pressing the snooze button, it's like, no, because I'm, you know, I've made a decision and I'm accountable. My personal trainer's waiting, my friend's waiting. We said we'd meet at the beach at seven o'clock uh, to go for a walk. So I am going to do this. So it's really about, first of all, having that 
have come to a place and space where saying something has to change uh, and I need help and who can I ask for help and finding that person and, and sticking to the plan. You know, it's, it's really about teamwork, about discipline. It's about loving yourself. Yeah, I really come back to that, to that self-care and that self-compassion. You know, really super powerful question, Gina, is, you know, hand on heart. What do I need right now? I ask myself that question, you know, sometimes on a daily basis, what do I need right now? And, you know, what does my body want to eat right now? So, you know, I'm very kind to my, I'm listening to my body. And do I need a hug? Do I need a long walk? Do I need some green tea? Do I need a power nap? Do I need a good laugh? Uh, Do I need to phone a friend? Do I need some connections? Um, Do I need a piece of dark chocolate? (laughs) It's just asking yourself, what do I need right now? And then actually loving yourself enough to gift yourself that. And then that kind of expands to your partner, to your friends, to your clients. What do you need right now? You know, I mean, how can I support you? What do you need? So it's kind of filling your own cup, coming from this position of strength and then radiating out that that love and that light to other people and keeping our energy levels and vibration extremely high rather than going into this negative spiral. So definitely don't listen to too much news. Be aware of what's going on in the news and then kind of say, okay, and I know what I need to know and then flip it off and create your own news in your own world. I think keeping a high frequency uh, is so, so important now that, you know, attitude of, of gratitude and love and joy. I, I, I liked that your word this year, Gina, was joy because that was my word for 2020. It was this, this year I choose joy and I still choose joy. You know, I have a list of people, places and activities that bring me joy and I take joy breaks and occasionally I jump for joy. You know, I think, wow, you know, I'm feeling I need a little boost. And then I think, okay, I'm going to call that person or I'm going to go and walk on the beach or I'm going to have a nice cup of green tea and a square of dot chocolate and, or I'm going to look at a flower. So super, super simple things. You know, this is not rocket science. It's just really, really super things that people can really, you know, help themselves and by helping themselves really be a beacon, you know, for others uh, to say, mm, yeah, yeah, I think I, I'd like to do more of that or less of that. Yeah. Wow, Julie, there's so many gems in that. I wrote down so many things just in terms of the pathway that someone has to take in terms of just first, as you mentioned, being aware that something needs to shift, something needs to change, and then reaching out to someone and asking for help. Because sometimes I find that we don't often ask for help. We're too ashamed, et cetera, embarrassed, and we don't. And then once we realize that we do need help, finding that person who can help us. So I definitely go back to what you've said before about loving yourself, almost giving your per- yourself permission to take care of yourself. And I think I'm going to appropriate that line, what you said, asking yourself every day, what do I need right now? Thank you for sharing that. So we're going to take a break and then we'll come back, Julie. And for those who are listening with us, we'll be back with Julie Lewis, who is a Dubai-based explorer, expeditioner, public speaker, women's health advocate, a founder of Mountain High, which is a company that offers group coaching, speaking workshops, retreats, and expeditions. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. And also a woman who is known for actually creating first. She was a woman who took a team 
of breast cancer survivors from the UAE in the United Arab Emirates to Antarctica in 2012. So I'm interested in learning more about her journeys and also what she's done to inspire individuals to actually live the best versions of themselves. So Julie, will be right back. Welcome, everyone, back to the Diving for Pearls show, where we have Julie Lewis with us today. She's our third guest on our series. She is a motivational speaker, coach, and author, personal development and leadership specialist who lives here in the UAE and founder of Mountain High. And she's been on here today sharing some resources on how to navigate change, how to reconnect with ourselves and others, and more importantly, how to leverage our strengths so we can weather any storm, be it COVID-19 or anything that's upcoming that we may think is insurmountable. So welcome back, Julie Lewis. Julie, we'd like to start by asking you, actually, before I do that, I want to actually give everyone who's listening today a backstory of how I met Julie Lewis. She's not aware that I did meet her in 2015. Actually, I'm sorry, 2016. In 2016, the Abu Dhabi World Magazine, which is a free magazine here in the UAE, it's more like a lifestyle magazine that gives all aspects of life in the UAE, health and wellness, a little bit of culture and arts. It's like a local newspaper that's free, comes out weekly, generally every Thursday. So I would pick it up with my friend of mine at the end of the workday. And we just looked to see what's happening in terms of culture and arts. And in 2016, we came across this article and it was actually a call for women to take part in this adventure, Arctic adventure, that was going to take place, I think, in the summer of 2017. So they were asking for, I think, about 12 individuals, 12 women, to actually take a 100-kilometer trek to the North Pole. And there was an application process and you had to submit your applications, I think, by March of that year. My friend and I, we said, oh, we're going to do it. And one of the stipulations was that you knew you needed to know how to swim. And I am not a swimmer, probably cannot save my life, unfortunately. And But I applied anyway. Unfortunately, I didn't get it. But because of that, I am now here speaking to Julie Lewis. So Julie, Julie I don't know if you're aware of that. No, and you know, it's always interesting when you when people um, connect with you through different channels and then, you know, it's how do you find out about me or, you know, how do we meet, you know, and when I go to events, I kind of keep cards and I make little notes on things, but yeah, that's super interesting story. So you never know who's reading or who's watching or who's listening. So I, I, I think it's so lovely when you kind of um, get back to the root of how it all started really in this uh, six degrees of separation or I think it's probably about three now with Facebook or something isn't it so yeah it's uh, amazing yeah very small world yes thank you and actually since we're talking about explorers I, I definitely want to speak to something that you've talked so fervently about about women being the first to do something and I know in 2012 you took a team of breast cancer survivors from the UAE to Antarctica. So if you could talk about that experience and also talk about why you think it's so critical that women are the first 
in certain fields and industries? Sure. I'll, I'll start with why I think it's important that it don't necessarily be the first, you know, there's that marketing, it's either the first, the most, the only or the best. So I think it's really creating new paths, trailblazing paths uh, for, for uh, to inspire others and to create paths for other people to follow. Uh, not to feel that, you know, that's um, that's for somebody else to do, not me. It's not to question yourself. Um, I climbed my first mountain when I was 40, and a lot of people saying, well, what do you want to go and do that for? You know, we've organized this party for you. And I said, well, I can have a party when I come back. You know, I want to go and climb this mountain. So I think it, it's regardless of gender, if it's finding something that you really, really want to do um, and then finding a way to do it. And obviously, if it's if you're the first to do it, fantastic. If you've done it the most number of times or the only person to do it um, or the best in some form, then it just highlights and, you know, celebrates that achievement. So I think it's actually pushing boundaries, challenging the norm and inspiring others in the process. You know, for myself, it's never been about me. It's been about it and that it is really encouraging more people to step into their personal power and to live their wildest dreams now instead of just letting them, you know, sit and hover around uh, so I think that's really, really important that we do take that first step. So back in 2012, coming to the Antarctica expedition, it was really interesting. I was on a flight back from Hong Kong to Dubai and I watched the movie Mr. Popper Penguins and I thought, oh, this is really cute. And I thought, I've never seen penguins in their kind of, you know, environment. I've seen them in, you know, in zoos and wildlife parks, et cetera, and all the rest of it. And then the, the uh, stewardess came down and was serving tea and coffee. And I had a tea. And then she said, would you like a biscuit? And I said, yeah. And the biscuit name was Penguin. I don't know if you're familiar with that brand. And it's a kind of a crispy biscuit covered in chocolate. It's called Penguin. And the ad was, when you feel a pepper peckish, pick up a pick up a penguin. And so I cut, this is another message from the universe. And when I landed back in Dubai, uh, it was April of 2012, that was actually my 50th birthday. And one of my friends got me a book, Things to Do Now That You're 50. And I have this habit with books. I, you know, kind of hold them between my palms, close my eyes, and I say, what would you like me to know? And then I just open the page randomly. And this page said, go to Antarctica. I thought, oh, my goodness. So the movie, the biscuit, and the book. So that's three messages from the universe. And I thought, okay. It's not about me going to Antarctica, you know, it's about going to Antarctica and doing something kind of pretty, pretty special. And I kind of Googled, you know, expedition teams to Antarctica, and I was particularly keen to see if there'd ever been a team of breast cancer survivors that had gone to the ends of the earth. I'd taken teams to the top of the earth, the Arctic, the north, but never to the south. And I couldn't find anything. And I thought, this is a really unique opportunity. So I put the word out for, I mean, I was very much involved with Breast Friends, uh, raising awareness and funds for Breast Friends, a, a support group in Dubai, and, and run several things before. So that was my first port of call. And then obviously put it out through the, the, the media. And some people said, you'll never find anybody who's gone through all that, you know, challenge of you know, surgery, chemo, radiology, all of that. And then they're going to put themselves under this stress and strain. But actually it was quite the opposite. And then I kind of had this really very strong gut feeling that it would work out. And within three to four months, 
I had 12 women signed up. We had enough sponsors to be able to take a videographer with me. So I, that kind of relieved me of some of the, the pressure of taking pictures and film. So that we were able to create a film and a book of the expedition. And to this day, as far as I know, that expedition was the first and only team of breast cancer survivors from the United Arab Emirates to go to Antarctica. And, and really, it, not just to go and sit on a ship and watch the world go by, but we were on and off the ship. We were kayaking, uh, zodiac cruising, snowshoeing. We climbed a, a 250-meter glacier peak, which is now called Pink Ribbon Peak, uh, the most southerly um, pink ribbons on Peterman Island. About five of us took a polar dip and actually <laughs> stripped down to a costume and ran in from Deception Island into the water and ran very quickly out. And so it was a very, very significant expedition in terms of women that said yes to the adventure, yes to the challenge, but also showing that, you know, breast cancer, cancer is not a death sentence and you can live a full and fulfilling life after that. So this was having a team of 12 fabulous roving ambassadors, myself as expedition leader and Astrid, who was a videographer that captured this with the support of, you know, the expedition uh, team on the, on the boat. So this was, you know, I would say one of my finest expeditions in terms of what it actually meant and represented and, and the stories that came out of that and other people thinking, well, if they can do that, you know, then I can do that. Then what can I do? So I think it's very, very important that this idea of to be an explorer or an adventurer, you have to be a, you know, um, a bearded man that, you know, <laughs> um, you know, this traditional aspect of an explorer, it's, 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 it's been a lot in history about men, you know, about the Norwegians, about the, the, the New Zealanders, um, you know, British explorers. So I think it's time, you know, to, to really bring back some of the, the explorers from the past because there were many female explorers and actually now look at the modern new day explorers and encourage the next generation. And I see this now, there are so many more women that are putting their name down for Everest, that are going to the North Pole, that are crossing deserts, that are really challenging themselves in nature because that's what they want to do. It's not necessarily about proving that, you know, I can do that too. It's about, you know, being so at one with nature and, and so alive and that challenge, whether it's sailing across the Atlantic or crossing the desert or climbing the mountain, anything really that just sends out the message to other women around the world and children that, wow, you know, that's amazing. I'd love to do that, you know. And I think when I founded Mountain High back in 2003, the, the mission really was to encourage and inspire more people, in particular women, to connect with new cultures, to travel, to challenge themselves, and also MAD to make a difference. So there was usually a health advocacy story behind it or a, a CSR project. So the Antarctica was very, very special expedition. And um, yeah, the, the, the movie is a 23-minute documentary. I'm happy to share the link, Gina. I think it was just a, a, a big shift in people's consciousness and awareness of what is possible regardless of what you've experienced before so the past doesn't equal the future if you've gone through a major health challenge it doesn't mean to say that's it life is over yeah so it was very very special
Thank you, Julie. Um, as you were talking, I, I was not aware there was, a there was a movie. So if you can please send the link, because we'll include that in the notes. Uh, we would love to watch that. But you reminded me of a lot of different things, even in terms of you saying that you were really listening to the universe. You had the movie, you had the book, you had the biscuit that was all speaking to you in terms of what could you do next, going to Antarctica. But then you didn't make it about yourself, which I think is so beautiful. So that whole notion of being of service to others, bringing breast cancer survivors along this journey speaks volumes to who you are. So I want to say thank you. Very powerful in terms of being a source of inspiration to other women. And that's what this show is really about. It's about inspiring other women, you know, almost carving a pathway, um, helping where we can so that we could allow others to not only challenge themselves, but hopefully make an impact in their lives and in other people's lives. So thank you, Julie. I was not aware there's a movie. I am very interested and I'm sure our listeners are interested as well in at that movie. I do wanna speak to you about when you were 40 because that was a pivotal moment. And I think at 40, when you were on top of the mountain and I believe the mountain is in Malaysia. I did look it up. I'm not familiar with that part of Malaysia on the West coast of Malaysia. It's called Mount Kilabalu. Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, Kota Kinabalu. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you <laughs> say it. <laughs> Thank you. But um, it was when you reached the summit that something was triggered. So if you could bring us back to that moment Tell us what you were thinking, what were you feeling, and how you came up with this concept of developing your company, Mountain High. Sure. Well, basically, uh, in 2001, Gina, I was able to go on a research trip. I was working for a company called Voyages Extreme as a business development manager. I decided, after taking a short sabbatical, that after 18 years in the health and fitness, I, need, I wanted to do something else. I'd had also a massive shift in my personal circumstances when my husband of seven years collapsed and died with a heart aneurysm, a professional squash player. So there was a lot of big, big shifts, a lot of, lot of changes. And so, you know, tears and a journey. And after that journey, I came back and I, I started in the travel industry to, to learn the ropes. When I was in Malaysia, this was in 2001, we were in Sabah, where Kota Ginabalu is, and the mountain... You know, I, I just saw it and my whole body was drawn to it, my whole. And I said to the guide, what's the name of that mountain? You know, it's just got my name all over it. I feel such a strong call. And, you know, how long does it take to climb it? What's the best time to come? And they said, you know, it's about three days. It's 4,095 meters. April's a really good time. And as soon as he said April, I thought, next April, 2002, is my 40th birthday that would be a really cool thing to do for my 40th birthday to kind of really, you know, celebrate 40 years on the planet and having come through these, you know, massive changes in my personal circumstances to kind of reach a different kind of high and be closer to my higher purpose. So I came back from that trip and I put the word out. I started training for it and I put the word out, you know, women wanted to climb a mountain and I managed to cajole five other women to come and climb the mountain uh, with me. So we went in April 2002 and we did get support from Malaysia Tourism Board, which was very, very good. And 7th of April, which is actually World Health Day, it's my birthday. 
Um, but 2002, interestingly enough, was designated as the uh, international uh, mountain, international year of the mountain. Um, and I thought that's another message from the universe that on my 40th birthday, I'm meant to be on a mountain. So uh, we started off from uh, the, the base of the mountain and up to 3,000 meters, slept there and then woke up in the middle of the night at you know, two o'clock in the morning to head towards the summit. So the summit, most of the time for mountain summits, you're actually, it's dark and you just have your headlamp on and you keep your head down, you're following the guide and you're on the path. And we reached the summit at around 5.30 a.m. in the morning on the 7th of April. That was the perfect timing. And I just remember Gina standing on top of that mountain I had tears, I'm getting quite emotional now, tears rolling down my eyes. I had my arms outstretched and just thinking, I'm on a mountain, I'm on a natural high, mountain high, that, I like that name. And people started singing happy birthday because the girls that were with me said, it's her birthday today. So can you imagine just being on top of your first mountain and just having this incredible vista and having people saying happy birthday, but just feeling in your own heart, thinking I've arrived, I've really come back to the person that um you know that strength that spirit that courage that confidence it's like I've really found myself again and it was just like a a flash of wisdom you know epiphany moment a light bulb aha moment it's like right when I come down this mountain I am going to start my own expedition company called Mountain High to encourage more women to climb mountains and answer the call, you know, it was very much answering the call to adventure. It's like the soul, the soul calling that that's exactly where I was meant to be on that day uh, with the people that I was with. And we literally had those magical moments, pictures, and then down the mountain. And we stayed in a lovely five star resort and we were, had massages and very sore legs the next day. But I remember being so super excited about coming back to Dubai and then making all these plans for future expeditions. So, you know, it's, um, for some people say that's a bit extreme to go and climb the mountain to get that. But, you know, sometimes we have to go uh, into unknown places and spaces um, to really kind of tap into that, that, that source, that intelligence, or that just inner knowing of this is what I'm meant to do and I'm meant to do it right now. Um, so yeah that was my 40th birthday and I came back and um, uh, there was a lovely article in the Gulf News actually somebody had said you know you're 40 most people don't want to talk about the age you've just climbed a mountain and there was a lovely story in the Gulf News which created so much positive momentum I had then people calling the company Voyages Extreme and coming in for a coffee and saying Julie I want to climb a mountain I'm going to be 40 I'm going to be 50 I'm going to be xyz and and so one of those women was a lovely Norwegian lady Jana Kamo and uh, we got on so so well it's like you must be my sister from another life and we uh, kind of worked together on a project which happened in 2003, and it was the Everest Women's Base Camp Challenge. And it was 18 women, 18 days, up to 18,000 feet. And we raised around $80,000 for a mobile breast screening unit. That, again, was a massive, massive reinforcement that that was exactly what I was meant to do. That was my purpose. So it was first on the mountain in Kota Kinabalu, that knowing, and then reinforcing that with the, you know, the 2003 expedition to Everest Base Camp. 
in Nepal, and Nepal is such a magical place. I challenge anybody to go to Nepal and not come back <laughs> transformed. And yeah, I came back from that trip and I spoke to my then boss and I said, I want to really focus on um, expeditions out of the UAE. And he wanted me to focus on bringing people into the UAE. So a very long story short, <laughs> I, um, I stepped down from my post and took a massive leap of faith. And I started Mountain High from my kitchen table in Dubai um, in October 2003. And then I was very blessed. And this is, you know, I, I think you create these opportunities. I went on a boat trip because I thought, let's get all the team together for a kind of a, a thank you for the expedition on a boat trip. So I went to do the recce. And on that trip, Gina, there was a lady that had obviously heard me on the radio you know, calling in from base camp from, you know, we're on the trail. We just had yak cheese and porridge for breakfast. And this is how we're feeling and, and everything. And she said, oh, you sound just like that woman that was in Nepal. And said, it was, <laughs> it was me. And she said, you know, what are you doing? I want to come with you next. And I said, well, I've left my job and I'm kind of got this idea for Mountain High as my own expedition company. And it just so happened that she had a travel company called Creative Travel. And she said, come and have a chat with me tomorrow. So the next day I went to see her. And within hours, it was all agreed. Mountain High is going to be a division of Creative Travel Solutions. And that's how I got my kind of license, my visa. I mean, everything, all the formal things that you need. So that I very sh kind of quickly shifted from the kitchen table to a desk. <laughs> within a travel organization and I, and I was up and running so yeah fortune favors the break ask lots of questions go out and do things so that's how it all started back in 2003. Wow Julie that is some feat because even when you think about your mountain the mountain that you physically climbed which is stands over 4,000 meters I did some research um, taller than anything I've climbed. I think the last mountain I climbed <laughs> was in South Africa, actually, which is Table Mountain. And I mere a thousand meters, something like that, uh, almost close to 4,000 feet. And I do know from people who have climbed the same mountain that you have, that it is a fairly steep grade. That's one. So it does involve training. And once you're on top, people do speak about that wondrous vista that you've spoken about in terms of the rolling mountains and dense jungle down below. But I want to speak to what you've talked about and just sharing that experience with us. You seem to be very tuned in to the universe. So things that are taking place, it just seems like everything's falling in place. How would you actually, is there a suggestion or advice you would give to people in terms of listening more to the universe because here it is you were working just started your company mountain high when you came back in october 2003 out of your kitchen table as you said and then you're meeting someone along the way who actually helped you launch it and on a greater platform on a larger platform so how would you suggest that people tune really tune in to the universe more that's a lovely question. And I think, you know, I talk about stillness and silence and, and slowing down and, and switching off the noise so that you can listen to your inner, inner, inner voice, basically, um, to be just be very present and actually put in words 
what specifically you want to kind of create uh, within the universe and what would that look like and how could that happen. So but get clarity, I think it is, but just, you know, to really slow down and think about what that looks like, um, who could potentially help. And I have affirmations, you know, in place. I'm, I'm a big fan of um, affirmations, basically. And so I think it's just inner knowing and, and that only happens when you slow down and you're not grasping, you know, wanting to make things happen or you're um, swimming upstream, you know, that you really do allow yourself to get into that zone of, of silence and stillness and then waiting, you know, your intuition. And I think that's, you know, you have a gut feeling. So listening, you know, you've got three brains in my mind. You have, you know, your brain and then you have your heart, your heart's intelligence and the gut and so it's listening to a combination of, of those. So I think the key thing would be to, to slow down, to be still, to really tap into, you know, your own inner calling, your soul's journey and, and your heart intelligence, because you have a thinking mind and a feeling heart. And, and then just, you know, being, just radiating that. And that's what you attract. I think when you, your, your, your vibe is positive, it's clear, it's joy, it's gratitude, it's coming from a really good place. And you tend to attract, um, you know, synchro destinies, you know, somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, you know, these just little messages that you get from the universe, like the movie, the biscuit and the book. And just being um, open to listening to those and thinking, ooh, connecting the dots and, you know, anything, you know. I mean, I had no idea who was listening when we were doing the, the call and I had a Darius satellite phone. I had no idea who was listening, but the very fact that this woman was listening and I just happened to be on the same boat as she was at that particular time, then, you know, I'm a great believer in synchronicity, you know, just living and being and radiating what you're searching for, what you what you would need to kind of put some more flesh on the bone of your dreams, basically. So, very much to slow down and think think more about that and allow it's almost like allowing as opposed to pushing and forcing um you know we, we still need to take some action but i think it's allowing yeah to tap into the universe's intelligence does that answer the question and it sounds maybe a little bit woo woo but i think it's um it's just something is an inner knowing it's an inner being and your intuition because it really is a superpower you know, to just know when something feels right, when to say yes, when to say no, when to move forward, when to wait, when to step back, and just to be able to pick up on something. You know, how does that make me feel when I think about going down that path or um, taking this route or taking this action? And that's really about knowing yourself. Yeah, very much so. No, definitely, Julie. I like what you said about slowing down. Because you've spoken a lot about that, about the greatest gift. Uh, this comes directly from either your Instagram or your Facebook. I can't remember which feed. But the greatest gift you can give yourself is the gift of silence each day. Very powerful. So like you said, just switching off the noise, being present, slowing things down for yourself. I've done a lot of that myself during this time. So slowing down. And literally, I have to actually I'll share this with our listeners. I have to use a meditation app. I'm not there yet where I can freely and easily meditate every day. So I do use the Calm app. And it has taught me in terms a lot in terms of being present. And sometimes I just have to say to myself, Gina, 
present, present, present. And it sounds crazy, but it helps. Uh, so thank you, Julie, for sharing that. So there's so much I want to still talk about because there's so much you've done. So actually, you've had so many accomplishments. So I want to ask you two questions, Julie. So how do you stay grounded? One. And then if you could share with someone, share with us, what is something you've recently failed at? And what are some of your learnings as a result of, I don't even want to call them failures, but something that you weren't necessarily successful at or didn't go the way you thought it would go? Sure. I think, you know, staying grounded, I'm going to come straight back to my, you know, oxygen and that's in nature. Uh, Staying grounded for me is, um, it can be breathing, it can be meditation, it can be taking a walk on the beach, it can be sitting under a tree, it could be um, that heart awareness, that self-compassion and reconnecting to my senses. There's so many ways, you know, just to when I'm with people on expeditions and I, I can see maybe somebody's feeling a little bit anxious or a little bit overwhelmed sometimes, I'll just say, let's stop and just close your eyes and just focus on your breath. So, you know, taking three deep breaths and that goes into the diaphragmatic breathing instead of the, you know, high up in the chest. And then I'll say, open your eyes. What can you see? Tell me three things that you can see, three things you can hear. So I use the senses as a grounding uh, tool. So to come back into your core, what am I seeing, hearing, and feeling? I'm seeing, you know, mountains. I'm seeing a flower. I'm seeing a tree. I'm hearing leaves rustling. I'm hearing the sound of the ocean. Because that is, you know, calming everything down. And when we do this kind of deeper diaphragmatic, or I call it heart awareness, breath breathing as well, this sends a message to the brain. I am safe. You know, you have something called a vagus nerve that connects the brain to the heart. So it's two systems, uh, two organs, but one system. So the minute we slow down our breathing and, you know, are grounded literally, then that sends a message to the brain and I am safe. So this is a great, simple, easy to do tool for yourself. That's one of many ways, but I mean, my, my fav- one of my favorites is probably walking barefoot on the beach, you know, or on across lawns. And I think just imagining that my roots, you know, through the feet are just connected. Nature is a big, big grounder for me. Very, very much so. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. Actually, in terms of what you just mentioned, in terms of walking barefoot on the beach, I know there's a lot of research on grounding in terms of resetting not only your uh, circadian rhythm, if you've been flying just in terms of the medicinal benefits. So there are a lot of health advocates. So two things I want you to take us back to. When you wake up from the first thing in the morning, can you take us through your morning ritual? I know you do go out in nature a lot. And then also, because you just mentioned that you do believe in affirmations. And also, can you share some of the affirmations? Of course. Yes, yes, yeah. I wake up and I stretch in my bed and I smile and the first words that usually come out of my mouth are thank you. You know, it's another day on the planet. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Then, uh, you know, like everybody else, go to the bathroom. I love uh, water and uh, tepid water and lemon first thing in the morning. I will then um, exercise. I'll take the dog out for a walk and I'll, I'll actually exercise for anything between 30 to 45 minutes. And I will always finish off with some stretching and a meditation. I've got various apps on my phone. And then I 
will read a couple of, I've got, you know, like my calendar, my eternal calendar that's got a quote, or I have little, you know, 365 days of inspiration. And then I will come and look at my vision board or my picture board. And I will kind of, you know, morning affirmations. I am happy, healthy, adventurous, abundant. I am an ocean of energy. I am the mountain. I'm a beacon of light and love. You know, these are the, the I am in the present is also, you know, very, very powerful. I shower and then I kind of um, put down a list of things that I would like to achieve during that day. And I, I've always got candles. I love candles and smells. Um, so I have um, lovely ar- aromatherapy and I usually have a candle going. Um, so I make the plan for the day and then I kind of click into action. And I take what I call, you know, joy breaks, as we, we mentioned earlier. Um, I have a Garmin watch that tells me when I need to move. <laughs> and uh, I, I know how many steps I've done. So, yeah, I think it's just checking in with myself and, and different periods and then checking with people. In the early days uh, when of COVID, I was literally, I had a, a, a printed off an A4 sheet that gave me a lot of a structure and a routine. And I would literally tick it off as I'd done it, you know, exercise, uh, 20 minutes meditate, uh, planning and preparation, a post on Instagram, 30 minutes on LinkedIn, um, reach out to a friend to make sure that they're okay, eat healthily, you know, so I had a list of things, you know, drink water. So I have little post-it notes around that embedded suggestions and reminders for these things. And I I think, you know, that I I still have that routine and and, and ritual. And I also allow myself some spontaneity, you know, and don't give myself a hard time if I haven't ticked up all the boxes in the day as well. So that's kind of my morning ritual, at least. Anyway, it's always, always something for my mind, something for my body something for my spirit of adventure, something for my business. Yeah, and I think, you know, I often relate to what I call the power of three, and I have three rocks on my desk. You know, that one rock represents my mind, what have I done for my mind, what have I done for my body, three things I can do for my body today, and three things I can either do, A, for my business or for my emotional health or my spirit of adventure, or three people I can call today, you know, to say, how are you? You know, what's going on? You know, how can I help you? You know, what support do you need right now? So, yeah, three things. Yeah, just three things. And there's many other things, but that's the basic, you know, it's doing something each day for my mind and for my body and eating. You know, I ask myself to my body, what would you like to eat this morning? What would you like to have right now? So very, very much in tune with my body. And very, very much in tune with nature. Thank you. There's so much in there, Julie, in terms of how you start your day with gratitude. So just saying thank you. (laughs) That's something important. Uh, The lemon and water. That's part of the self-care, self-love and the exercise, the meditation. So wonderful. And I also love your affirmations because, as you mentioned, they're in the present moment. So it's not what I'm going to be, what I'm going to do. It's I am. So it's that being part. That I think sometimes so many of us miss. So I love the things that you said. I am an ocean of energy. I am a beacon. I'm going to appropriate some of these. I usually say myself, I'm strong. I look myself in the mirror, actually. My routine is similar to you, but I do um, wake up in silence. I don't have a TV. And by nature of growing up in a large family where my parents emphasize education, 
we were only allowed to watch about an hour of television a day, and most of it had to be educational. Generally, the news and then some educational um, program that was on TV at the time. So I'm accustomed to doing a lot of reading, just like yourself. But I do wake up in silence and do the water and lemon, etc., and look at my affirmations. And one of them, actually, I got from when I heard you speak at, in 2016, you spoke, I think it was at the Meridian. I can't remember exactly which hotel, but it was in Abu Dhabi. And I believe it comes from, well, several people I think are attributed, this quote is attributed to them. It's the stand like mountain, flow like water. And that's on my refrigerator. And I remind myself of that every day. Yep. Lao Tzu, yeah, one of my favorite Eastern philosophers, really. And I think it's incredible that thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, you know, such philosophers were kind of creating these proverbs, advice, words of wisdom that are still so relevant today. In fact, sometimes more so, you know, and I, and I like that, you know, that blend of Eastern philosophy and Western psychology. Yes. And, you know, the, the kind of Zen and, and looking at different cultures and words of wisdom and think, how does that apply to me right now? Yeah, I do like Lao Tzu, I must say, he's one of my favorites. And I actually read a book many, many years ago called Stand Like Mountain, Flow Like Water by Dr. Brian Luke Seward, and it was on stress and spirituality. And I loved the book so much. And I contacted the author and I said, you know, I, I do come to Colorado from time to time and I notice you're in Boulder you know, next time I'm over, would, would would it be possible to meet for a coffee? And I actually met the guy and I was chatting to him for about three hours. And I ended up doing two of his courses on stress management and holistic well-being. So, you know, and I think this is another thing is like to reach out to authors, people that, you know, you're enjoying and, and being inspired by, because most of the time they will answer. <laughs> you know, and, and when people contact me, I mean, it's such a blessing. You think, well, thank you. You know, you've You've read the book, something stirred something in you and you've reached out now. So, yes, of course, if I can meet for a coffee, I'd meet for a coffee. And right now it might be a Zoom call or or anything. But I think it's just so important that we do have the courage to reach out to the people, you know, whose minds we kind of get into through reading their books. So that's so that's super, super important. Yeah. Beautiful. So besides Lao Tzu, because I do see that you do reference him quite a bit on your social media feeds. Is there anyone who you would say is a source of inspiration for you or any books that you're reading that are a source of inspiration for you at this current moment? Oh, wow. I'm a big uh, book reader. And at the minute, actually, do you know, actually, I will reverse on that because what I'm finding is I'm listening more to podcasts now and watching things more. I'm not reading as much as I used to, but everything in my current library now is is really around water because <laughs> the next evolution of Julie Lewis um, will be around water and water as a metaphor for life, as a metaphor for resilience and how being more like water or different types of water, um, how it can serve us in our business, in our life, in our relationships. So I'm very much reading uh, Emoto's work, you know, the messages from water, Blue Mind, Day by the Sea, uh, Gifts from the Sea. So I'm kind of um, diving into water now, still, you know, loving the mountains. However, the element for me right now and moving into 2021 will be the spirit of water. 
Julie, that's interesting because I just listened probably a couple months ago to Emoto's work, The Hidden Messages in Water. So that whole notion that our thoughts can influence water. Yes, I listened to him and absolutely loved it in terms of the experiments he's done, in terms of showing how just our thoughts and words carry all energy and can influence ourselves, of course, and other people as well through the experiments he's done with water. So that's interesting that you're also a fan of his or advocate of his, I should say. Yeah, very, very much so. You know, the, the words that we speak, you know, if the words love and gratitude impact the molecular structure or the cellular structure of the, the crystals, then just imagine the words that we use as we're 70% water, how we're impacting ourselves at a cellular level, really. And and I, th- I think that's super interesting. So, you know, water is feminine. It's about emotion. It's about intuition. So this is definitely the next the next um, evolution of Julie Lewis from the mountains to the water. Yeah, very much. I like that. <laughs> from the mountains to the water. You always, well, you always say you have to go up. So the water can also go up as well. <laughs> yes, go out and deeper, go deeper. <laughs> yeah. So Julie, we're going to be wrapping. It's just so wonderful to speak with you today learn some of the tools that you're using currently in your life that we could either appropriate or adapt to help us. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your journey. Uh, We've learned so much today. Can you tell um, individuals how they reach you? And then I'm going to ask you a couple more questions to wrap up. So how may someone reach out to you and where can they, we find you on social media? Yeah, pr- probably the, the kind of hub, uh, Gina, is my website, which is www.julie-lewis.com. What, what I've done is kind of merged now the adventures into that. So it's just one page that covers my speaking, my programs, the book, adventure, etc. So julie-lewis.com. And then on that page, you know, there's my Instagram, there's my Facebook, there's my LinkedIn, there's the YouTube. So there, there are all the different kind of channels of, of contacting me, including my mobile number on my website under contact. So, and I think now my super techie friend has set up WhatsApp chat on my website so I'm learning so much more about technology but that that's uh, the easiest way uh, to connect with me across several different media channels yeah thank you so I'll just repeat that so it's www.julie-lewis.com thank you Julie and then you'll find everything that you need to find out in terms of her Instagram her YouTube and now she said she's setting up WhatsApp so definitely stay tuned So Julie, it's been wonderful talking with you, but we're not done yet. (laughs) I just wanted to give that to our listeners out there. So what, since you've been living here in the UAE, and we know that our leaders have been focusing on definitely um, advocating for women, more women leadership. So can you tell us and share with us, what is the impact you wish to have on women here in the UAE and across the globe? That's a huge question, Gina. And I think, you know, it it would be really to be a a beacon of uh, light and love and passion and uh, kind of an inspiration that if somebody, I mean, I'm 58 now, I'm training to be 60, I'm planning uh, to have a big celebration in 2022, 60 years on the planet I think it's just really to know that the things that you say and you do and you share will make an impact on somebody that is maybe 
kind of uh, thinking about what's next for me or how can I flip from how I'm feeling right now into how I would really like to feel. So I think everything we say and do as human beings, if it's an, you know, for it to be an expression of our goodness, for it to be an expression of our love and our strengths and our values and our passions, then that is certainly enough uh, to be a catalyst for someone else to realize their ambitions and to realize it doesn't matter about your age, your nationality, it doesn't matter about gender, it doesn't matter about what happened in the past, what's happening right now around you. It's, you know, it's actually creating, creating your own story, your own adventure, your own journey, and, and asking for help along the way. So I'm always, always delighted when somebody contacts me and says, could you just give me a little bit of insight on this? Or could you just share how you did this? And I, I love that. I think that's, that's so wonderful. So yeah, being an expression of my goodness, I think is a, is a good, is a good base. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. I like all of what you just said. Um, it's really about being of service to others, making an impact. And like you said, you never know what you're, if what you're doing, saying will help someone else being a beacon of light and love, which I also love. It's just brilliant that you've been able to share the gems and impact so many people, not just here in the UAE, across the globe. I know you participated and I do want you to speak about some of the retreats you have coming up because you recently participated in a leadership summit in Singapore. So if you could share a little bit about that experience and then tell us what's next on your horizon. Sure, yeah. There is a Break the Ceiling, Touch the Sky uh, Women's Success and Leadership Series. And uh, it's it's kind of a, a roving series. So they have uh, New York, London, Australia, Singapore, and Dubai. And this year, obviously, they've had to flip to virtual so the founder, Anthony Rose, and one of his uh, training consultants, basically, has kind of zoomed us all in from wherever we are for each summit. And, and my sessions have been on resilience. I think that's a, the kind of way forward right now. There will be hybrid events. I see that. Uh, what's coming up, I'm speaking on resilience on the 11th of December, which is actually International Mountain Day, uh, for a Thrive Women's Leadership Conference, which is was due to take place in Colorado in a place called Steamboat Springs, which is my husband's hometown. It's where my father-in-law is based. So that's my connection. And that will be a kind of a 90 minute zooming in from base camp Abu Dhabi to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. So lots of things, kind of presentations through the, what I call the geographically convenient Zoom room, you know, the digital highway. Really what's coming up for me is really working on the, the, the book, the ebook, and the experiences in and on and around water. Doing more writing, more speaking and creating opportunities for people to enjoy and explore their own backyard. And then really in 2022, that would be the 60 years on the planet. So I've got, you know, the Arctic and Antarctica and several things in between to really focus on a, a year of adventure so that in 2023, uh, the third book would be Earth Wisdom. So lessons learned from, you know, the, the global adventures in 2022. So that there is a path, there is a, a vision and um, let that unfold organically. So, yeah, speaking, writing, own backyard adventures, 
open to everything attached to nothing is another one of my problems. And then 2022, you know, kind of really celebrating 60 years on the planet and, and seeing, you know, where that goes on from there. Yeah, my mum is 96, Gina, so I know I've got very good genes. I'm going to be around for at least another 30, 40 years and I, I you know, make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's my kind of one of my other mottos. <laughs> Julie, you have some wonderful mottos. I, I can't tell you I appropriate so many of them and use them professionally as well, personally and professionally. One of them is the build, broaden, and boost resilience. Love it. I've been using it all across all my, uh, like I said, across all my professional and personal work. Some of the things that you said recently, open to everything, attached to nothing. I've used that. That's a great motto as well. So thank you for sharing what you are working on and what you're curious about. We are looking forward to the ebook because I think it's been since 2015 that you wrote Mountain High, which we didn't get to speak about, but we can. Um, I'm sorry, Moving Mountains is your book, Discover the Mountain in You, which was published in 2016. So we'll speak about that uh, before we close off here. December 11th is the Thrive Leadership Conference. And I think all the details are on your website because I did see that there. So we definitely want to encourage our listeners to go to www.julie-lewis.com. Okay. So Julie, I do want you to speak before a couple of things, actually. I just remembered. I want to go back to your book, um, which was published in 2016, which I also had the opportunity to read. It was, I would say, extremely helpful for me in terms of myself looking inwards and you speak a lot about that looking inwards and talking about that mountain and I do want you to unpack a little bit of what you mean when you say discover the mountain in you. Super um yeah the book now is as you know like five years it was published in 2016 just in time for the Emirates Festival of Literature and that was another very proud moment of actually signing books at Emirates Literature Festival, thinking, oh my gosh, I'm an author now. This is amazing. And seeing your books in W.A. Smith and McGrudy's, and <laughs> I think that's pretty special. And it, it's really, it's it's the story, uh, stories of myself and, and clients who have access there in a mountain, whether that's been a real or a metaphorical mountain, and, and, and kind of worked out ways of how to shift or move any mountain that stands in the way of their success. So accessing your inner mountain really is about your inner strength, your own potential, your wisdom, your your ability to kind of make wonderful things happen. And so, you know, we have this gremlin on one side that you're not good enough, you're not enough experience, you're too old, you're X, Y, Z, you know, the little gremlin. Or you have the inner mountain that says, I am strong, I am the way, um, I will find a way. And resilient, all of these, you know, the messages from the mountain. And it's really kind of timeless wisdom. So even though the book has kind of been on the shelves now for four or four and a half years, what I have created now, Gina, is um, an online course based on the concepts from the book. So I made about, I don't know, 60 odd short videos, worksheets, um, audio files to really bring the book alive because not everybody. Uh, likes reading a book some people like watching videos and some people want something you know audio so we've really blended everything the wisdom from within that and created moving mountains online course 
you know, that's keeping the book alive because it is timeless. And I still get people calling me or dropping me a note and saying, you know, I read your book when I was going through this certain transition and it really helped me, you know, access, you know, more clarity, my direction, my courage, my confidence, my resilience, my joy, so many different things. Or they read a story within the book and that, you know, they've had that experience themselves. So it's lovely to know that, you know, it's still lifting and shifting people uh, and now, you know, the, the kind of second stage of that is an online course where they can, you know, see me, on, you know, on video screens, listen, so it becomes more alive and then access me with any questions. So I think that's a, that's a great evolution. And the reason I kind of thought about an ebook next for the Water Project, because I really want it to be an immersive, interactive experience. So that there will be kind of a series, you know, a lake, and then you'll be able to kind of immerse yourself in the lake and there'll be a guided meditation and there'll be a visualization and, and quotes around it. So it won't be kind of a heavy book in terms of heavy copy. It will be very, very much more an experience or an immersion, basically. That's, that's my goal for the next one. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, um, Julie, because I, I was not aware that you have an online course that's based on the concepts of the book. So I will definitely check it out. And I definitely encourage our readers to um, check out the online course, which is information can be found on her website. So www.julie-lewis.com. There are a couple more questions. Julie, I could keep talking to you all day. <laughs> Remembering them, I say things. You've had such a great impact on individuals' lives, not just here in the UAE, across the globe. What do you hope to be remembered for? That will be the last question. Okay. Um, gosh, I've often said, you know, that on my epitaph, or it, it would be say, here lies a mad woman and MAD making a difference. So somebody that, you know, kind of lived her wildest dreams and encouraged to live there. So I think, yeah, to be, you know, to have been a bit of a pioneer because I, I, I think I'm pretty sure that I can say hand on heart that I was the first female in the Middle East to start their own expedition company back in 2003 and I'm, I'm so super excited to see that more and more people are doing that more women in particular are doing that so I think yeah just to remember to being a little bit of a trailblazer and a, a pioneer and somebody who made a difference you know encouraged others to to live a full and fulfilling life. Thank you Julie that was wonderful it's been wonderful speaking with you today thank you for doing what you do currently to lead and facilitate change, not just in your life, but in the individuals whom you encounter. You've definitely stimulated a lot of new images and possibilities for me just in speaking to you today. And I'm sure it will be impactful and helpful to our listeners today. So I want to say thank you once again. Please check Julie Lewis out at www.julie-lewis.com. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much, Gina. Really, really, this is a fabulous project. So I'm delighted to be part of it and success the um, Pearls of Wisdom journey. I think it's a fantastic initiative. So well done. Thank you, Julie. Music on this podcast is provided by Alexander Kirschdisch. The composition is titled Beautiful Spheres, which was released on April 3rd, 2019. Alexander Kirschdisch can be found on Facebook at Alexander Kirschdisch and on Instagram at Alexander Kirschdisch underscore official. You like a swing, so fly.
my wings. 